And a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live, first Friday in April. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. And kind of a, an unusual first Friday in some ways, because it doesn't even feel like April or Friday or anything else. Just time is passing, passing as we live and just going on and on. And it Doesn't it play with your mind a little bit? Like I find, well, you're in much of the same I routine. I pretty much keep my routine. You really yeah, don't have, yeah, but my yeah. life has changed drastically. Yeah. And there are times when I think, what I wake up, what day is it? You know, I look at my list of things to do. It's blank. <laughs> so, I mean, my, you know, my life was carved out in a completely different way, which now the bottom has dropped out. So I find... You're on um, furlough, as they say. Yes. Yeah. yeah but but I, you're not alone. I guess other musicians you you read have been furloughed. Yeah, some, Parish musicians. Some are getting reduced hours. Mm-hmm. Some, the pastor said, you know, just hang in there. We know you'll be, you'll be able to come back. We could give you a, a small stipend just so you can come in and play Holy Week. Like, I'm hearing a lot of creativity mm-hmm. through the conversation with the musician and their pastor. Yeah. Some are laid off, but many, the majority I talk to, are still in some capacity doing their thing, mm. um, especially the cathedrals. Maybe through Easter. Yeah, right. through through Easter, but you know, it's mm-hmm. again unprecedented. We yeah. don't we don't mm. know, but it does play. I have coffee time, and then I have wine time. So that's it. Pretty Morning good. and evening. Pretty good life there. And, and cleaning time. And cleaning time. <laughs> a lot of cleaning. Uh, so anyway, we're hoping that you join us here, friends, on a regular basis to get away from all of the bad news that's out there, and there is a lot of bad news out there confusing news, and just come here and relax a little bit with us for the next couple of hours, because uh, this hour, uh, we're going to be joined by Jamie Stewart Wolf to talk about a brand new book called John Paul II, Teachings for an Unbelieving World. It's a series of, um, I believe, homilies that Cardinal Votiwa gave John Paul II uh, on um, uh, St. Paul's um, from the Acts of the Apostles. So anyway, Jamie knows all about it. She'll be here to tell us about it. <laughs> uh, also, uh, we're going to play Saint of the Day this hour, and then uh, Jim is here with the weather forecast. Next hour, because our gospel reading this Sunday is the Passion, we won't read the gospel. We'd need another half hour, right? Right, but Father Gary Koch is here to give us a beautiful reflection on that. And then next hour also, we're going to be joined by Dr. Rick Fitzgibbons, and uh, you probably have heard uh, of Dr. if you listen to Johnette Bankovic's program or watch Women of Grace. He's been a guest there many times. Also Catholic Answers he's been on. Oh, Catholic mm-hmm. Answers, that's right. He's right across the uh, river here in Conchahawken. Psychiatrist. Uh, psychiatrist. Catholic psychiatrist. And he's written a book called Habits for Healthy Marriage, a handbook for Catholic couples, which probably most Catholic couples will need this book. Like right now. <laughs> after all this all this togetherness. <laughs> it gives us an opportunity to work on virtues, patience. Ah, so we'll ask the good doctor about kindness, that. Kindness, mercy. We also want to talk to Dr. Fitzgibbons about how we're dealing with this isolation, the, mm-hmm. self, the, the, the social distancing, self-isolation, which is not the norm for the human person. So yeah. anyway, Dr. Fitzgibbons will be here next hour. As well, we're also asking if you want to uh, text us throughout the program. We're still taking requests for Cheryl's Easter Sunday playlist. Uh, and what a response we've gotten! I, I yeah, have, I know you've gotten a lot of responses. Yeah, right? so great lists, people, great suggestions, and what strikes and hits me really hard. Three or four of the people that wrote in um, said these are all the things that my choir will not be singing this ah. this Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So. I feel your pain. I okay. got it. So in case you're, you're just you're not familiar with it, I've been talking about it on my program all week. We've sent out some emails and we've sent out uh, um, other correspondence 
Um, Easter Sunday, and of course, throughout all next week, Holy Week, the Triduum, we'll have all the usual uh, liturgies and things that we broadcast Easter Sunday morning as well. But then starting at 1 o'clock on Easter Sunday, we're going to just play for the rest of the day Easter music, hallelujahs, beautiful Christian hymns, contemporary music, just to uplift the spirit. So we're all kind of be, be home that day with mm-hmm. each other, family, not going anywhere. So maybe just in the background, put on our station and just have beautiful Easter music playing. I think if you have it also hooked up to an outside speaker, blast it. There you go. Fill your neighborhood with Easter hallelujahs. That's what I want to see happen. Right. Uh, so anyway, we're working on that playlist. If you would like to make suggestions for that playlist during this program, you can text us here at uh, 609-493-8255. Whatever your favorite Easter or Christian hymn, uh, uh, song, whatever, let us know, and we'll put it on the playlist for Easter Sunday, 609 609- Four nine three eight two five five, and it doesn't have to have the word "Alleluia" in it. You no. know, I'm getting a lot of things that uh, those favorite pieces that soothe the soul. So right. we'll really, really mix it up. Um, a little bit of everything again: classical, contemporary, right. choral, praise and worship, whatever it is. We'll have a nice mixed bag to try to lift us up out Hopefully. of the doldrums. Right. 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 Let's pray, and then uh, we're going to take a break and be joined by Jamie Stewart-Wolf to talk about the new book, John Paul II, Teachings for an Unbelieving World. And we're praying this prayer, Holy Father Pope Francis gave us, praying to our Blessed Mother for uh, the coronavirus situation, and then we'll pray our other prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You know what we need. We are certain you will provide so that, as you did at Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and to deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Amen. And our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel in the Subtum Presidium prayer to Blessed Mother to protect the Church against the attacks of the devil. We pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend defend us us in battle. battle. Be Be our our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen. Pray Pray for for us, us. St. Pope John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us, us. Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, normally on Monday coming, which is the first Monday of the month, we would have Bruce here. But Bruce, we talked with them over the uh, earlier this week and decided, let's just keep the the holy hour on that we have with the Mm -hmm. chaplet and uh, reflection on the readings and the rosary, uh, especially through Holy Week. and uh, we'll just play it by ear. Everything's being played by ear now anyway. You don't mm-hmm. know what's going on in the world. It's all being played by ear. But uh, as you probably know by now, especially those of you here in the Diocese of Trenton, 
that uh, sadly the doors to the churches uh, have been uh, closed. Right. Uh, Bishop O'Connell, in response to a suggestion or advise, uh, being advised by the uh, public health officials here in, in New Jersey, um, close those doors, and I know a lot of people are sad about that. Uh, of course, we, I'm sure the bishop is equally as sad having to do that. Mm. But we just got to take it. You know, it's a sacrifice, um, and uh, it will make us all that much more appreciative when the church doors open and we can return to uh, a full sacramental life in the church. So, and, But there, there is uh, one little piece of good news. You know, I, I do stay up with the news and try to find— uh, a way to make lemonade out of lemons, but um, they, the World Health Organization, WHO, mm-hmm. did announce that it, it cannot be contracted or passed on by animals, especially dogs, so you can let your dogs go outside. So, you know, who let the dogs out? <laughs> Time the, sad, for a the sad thing is, though, <laughs> in China, they're eating their dogs and their cats oh, no. and their bats. That's how all this began. They call them wet markets. Oh, my gosh. I have to turn it off. I, I tell you what, I, I I don't know if I could ever eat at a Chinese restaurant again after seeing <laughs> I know. what they sell over there and people are buying for their food. And that's I how, know. sadly, this whole thing began. So anyway, don't eat your dog or cat, <laughs> I guess is the message. We, I guess that's the, lesson the moral we of the story, learned, right? lesson we learned from this right. whole thing. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to be joined by Jamie Stewart Wolf in just a moment. Uh, and how timely was it? Just yesterday, John Paul II. 15th anniversary of John Paul's passing. Hard to believe that much time has gone by. I know. Uh, but uh, St. John Paul, uh, yes, passed two, uh, 15 um, years ago yesterday. And so this book uh, that Jamie's going to talk about, it's a newly discovered reflections on Paul's sermon at the Oropagus. And uh, anyway, Jamie will be here to talk about that. So stay with us, friends. There's more to come on Friday Live. Don't go away. Stand. 
Well, that was going to be our theme this week. We're supposed to be having our Radiothon. That's right. Today would have been the last day of that Radiothon. Uh, we've not canceled it, though, friends. We've just postponed it until a more appropriate time. But that is the theme and will be the theme of our Radiothon mm-hmm. this year. We are one body. We can uh, build anticipation. Stressing the, the uh, theme of unity. And so uh, we just played that for you. But uh, joining us now is um, Jamie um, Stewart-Wolf, and she's the editor of a brand-new book called John Paul II, Teachings for an Unbelieving World. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? We're well. Thank you so much. And, of course, yesterday we remembered the 15th anniversary of John Paul's passing. Uh, of course, it's a beautiful last words, home to the Father's house. Mm. Um, exactly. And uh, this book, John Paul II, Teachings for an Unbelieving World, Tell us a little bit about it, because they're newly discovered reflections that he wrote. Yes, they are. I was actually quite startled to learn of it myself. So uh, it was discovered a few years ago, after about 50 years or more, actually stashed in a drawer, was what I was told. Wow. And, uh, yeah, is that amazing? What a find. So, uh, yeah, so, so it was written probably in 1966, could have been at the very end of 1965, but we're really not sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, it, was, it was 13 brief catecheses that uh, then Carol Wartiwa, Archbishop of Krakow, wrote um, focusing in and really kind of an extended meditation on Acts chapter 17, which is uh, the Apostle Paul's sermon in Athens uh, at the Areopagus, which is largely considered a flop. Mm. Right, he didn't. We don't see a letter to the Athenians in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and uh, it's because he didn't have many converts from that encounter. And yet, John Paul, both before he was pope and throughout his papacy, really returns to this theme. And these are newly discovered reflections that he had about about it. Mm-hmm. Now, are these written reflections that he just wrote for a particular purpose, or were they actually homilies, or? Uh... Well, some of that is kind of unknown, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, a, I actually have included in the book a, um, a kind of forensic analysis, if you will, by the curator, uh, Dr. Marta Burkhardt uh, in Poland, uh, who, um, who has kind of deduced a few things. One is that he probably wrote them in Rome. The paper on which they're handwritten is watermarked uh, in a certain way that um, paper in Poland wasn't. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, right? Uh. And uh there's a handwritten 39 pages and a typewritten version as well. He probably wrote the quotes um, from uh, Scripture, and as well as he, he actually liberally quotes the uh, Vatican II documents in this work uh, by heart. He probably wrote them by heart because in the typewritten version, they're corrected. Little bits of words are switched around. or, or um, But it's, it's a very... It's a very intimate book in some respects because it is. Uh, it reads like a Wednesday audience. It doesn't. It's not one of these very heavy philosophical uh, works of John Paul, of which there are several. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it, it seems to have been meant for a more general audience. But we have no idea whether these were ever presented wow. to any group or who they were written for in particular. Mm-hmm. But we do know this: in 1966, the Church in Poland was observing the 1,000th anniversary of Christianity in that country. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, it, it's a beautiful convergence of things in history, the close of the Second Vatican Council, 
the uh, archbishop who'd only been archbishop for a couple of years when this was written, and and then the the millennium observance of Christianity in Poland, and and here he is, you know, living the gospel and proclaiming it in an unbelieving world. Now, and I think we're probably going to. This is. I don't think this is going to be a, a unique situation. I think down through the ages, because he was such a great and holy man and, and great saint. Now that uh, I think he, he's so present to the world yet, mm-hmm. and this is a great example of that. Um, now the title, "Teachings for an Unbelieving World," is this something mm-hmm. that that Ave Maria Press, you or anyone else, came up with? Is it something yeah. that he had one of his writings mm-hmm. or? Yeah, so so the whole thing really kind of examines how to live the faith in a, in a world of unbelief, because as Paul encountered uh, the cultural elite and the intellectual community at Athens, which was really the cultural center of the world at that point, um, they were unbelieving people. They were not particularly open to a to the Christian gospel or explanation of the life and work and salvation that we can find in Jesus Christ. Jamie but, doesn't. Uh, I was going to say, doesn't it sound like it was written for today? I mean, again, we looked at all those times, you know, it was like the perfect storm back then when he wrote them. Um, That was no coincidence. But I I also feel like there might be some Holy Spirit at work in that they were found right now that we could glean some sort of wisdom from John Paul II, because what are we doing now but living in an uh, unbelieving world? Well, and the funny thing is, you know, Cheryl, the funny thing is that we— uh, we would maybe not have seen the world that way in 1966 when these things were written, but by now, 50 years later, we certainly we certainly can. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that the Holy Spirit didn't just hide these in the drawer and bring them out now at the right time. That's <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, That's it's right. interesting because um, the Second Vatican Council so mis- misunderstood in many ways uh, over the years, especially coming right out of uh, the council. But our bishop here one time told me, he said most most council, councils, um, it took about 50 years for the dust to settle before people really understood and, and really applied what the councils were, were trying to, to say and do. And I think this is probably just, of course, John Paul, we know, did uh, participate in the Second Vatican Council as a, a bishop. Um, so this is probably, a, again, a, a way that, that Mother Church, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is, is leading the world in a, in a special way. Absolutely. And, you know, what's very interesting is there are those of us in the Church who maybe would like to kind of divorce John Paul from from uh, the Second Vatican Council, and those who would like to, uh, you know, for whatever reason, either we prefer John Paul or we prefer the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. But uh, this book really makes that impossible. You see him as an enthusiastic Council father uh, here, but you also see the depth of his faith, and you, you get a glimpse 12 years ahead of when he's elected to the chair of Peter, you get a glimpse, it's sort of a preamble to the rest of his pontificate. The subjects, the topics he brings forward are all those things we came to know him for. You know, the one who is, the human being in truth, human being in freedom, the mystery of redemption, uh, love as redemptive and spousal. I mean, he gets into all these things, mm-hmm. and they're in seed form, and they're in maybe a, a little bit simplified form, but they um, they do show up later as the hallmarks of his pontificate, and you see the beginnings of that in this work, and it's it's quite exciting to, to see that. We're talking with Jamie Stewart Wolf, and she is the editor of a brand new book called John Paul II: Teachings for an Unbelieving World. 
These are newly uh, discovered reflections uh, on Paul's sermon at the Areopagus, and it's published by Ave Maria Press. AveMariaPress.com is their website. Uh, Jamie, when you were going through these, did anything in particular jump out at you and, and just really touch your heart, strike you in a, in a particular way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I particularly love what he says about history in this book. So there are like two quotes I really love, and one is, the history of humankind in the world becomes the history of salvation through grace. Mm. I'm just, how beautiful is that, right? Yeah. All this human tragedy and suffering and difficulty and struggle, all of these things are ultimately the history of salvation through grace. Mm-hmm. How beautiful is yeah, that? Yeah, it's beautiful. You know? Well, you know, yeah. I, I know that, um, and I think it's still happening, that uh, I read that Pope Francis had written a series of reflections on John Paul that I believe is supposed to be released around his, his 100th birthday, which is next month. Uh, but he he just titles it John Paul the Great. And I'm wondering if that's an official now declaration that we, because many people do refer to the, the good saint as, as right. Saint John Paul the Great, but maybe that's an official declaration because I know my spiritual director told me a number of years ago that, that someone like John Paul II comes around once every thousand years. Right. Um, and I yeah, think that's pretty much true. It is. And the more the more we read fr- uh, from him, and, and of course he had a, an extended pontificate of 26 years. And his writings, you could spend your lifetime really just uh, learning from them and, and, and studying them. But here's just another addition that, you know, 15 years after his passing, something brand new, which is great. You know, I, I love the story of, right, well, when John Paul was not you're beginning to, to uh, decline in health, and, you know, people began to talk about, you know, the big retirement word, right? Mm. And his answer to the retirement word was, no, I won't retire, but I'll just add new mysteries to the rosary. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's always something fresh and new That's with right. St. John Paul too. That's right. Now, did you have a particular devotion to him before even doing this book? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I am a Catholic convert of 37 years this Easter. Oh, wonderful. Um, I came into the church um, my senior year of college, and it was three years after attending a Mass on Boston Common with him there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I didn't at the time realize the power that that encounter would hold in my life, but uh, it bore great fruit, and it changed it changed how I lived that life. Wow. Wow, that's something special. Again, friends, we're talking with Jamie Stewart-Wolf, and she's the editor of John Paul II, Teachings for an Unbelieving World, these newly discovered reflections by the saint, uh, published by Ave Maria Press. AveMariaPress.com is their website. Certainly a book for the shelves of all those John Paul II fans. And, of course, we know he has a huge hardcore fan club. But was there another audience in mind when this was being put together? Uh, you mean as we put this book together right. or when he wrote it initially? No, when, when you were putting this together, you're hoping this gets yeah. in the hands of whom? Well, you know, I, I think anybody who's curious, you know, what does it mean to believe? Mm-hmm. And what does this belief do in our lives and how does it change the world? You know, we've got a lot of enthusiastic people out there in the world of, of all faiths and none who want to change the world. The question is how? And in what way? And how does that occur? And I, I think we have here really a game plan, a game plan for salvation, a game plan for living by the gospel, a game plan for really discovering who humanity is. And one thing that he makes very clear in this book, 
um, which I find very interesting, is that the rejection of the gospel when Paul brought it to Athens had more to do with anthropology than it did with theology. Mm. It's really how we view the human person. That uh, and that's really where we are today. And so, if you don't, if you're not sure who humankind is, if you're not sure what it means to be human or mm-hmm. who you are as an individual human being, this book might shed some light on that. Right. Right. Great. Again, friends, uh, Jamie Stewart Wolf, editor of the book called John Paul II: Teachings for an Unbelieving World, and it's published by Ave Maria, Ave Maria Press. It's AveMariaPress.com, their website. You can find out more about it there and find out more about Jamie. Uh, she has a uh, particular ministry called Loaves and Fishes Ministry, and uh, her uh, website is loavesandfishesministry.net. And, Jamie, we want to thank you for, again, being with us today and editing this book. It's, it's beautiful, and um, just God bless you, and stay well in these, these very, very odd days that we're living through lately. Very challenging times, but mm-hmm. God bless and stay well, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, thanks for being with us. And friends, you stay where you are. We're going to come back uh, with more Friday Live. Jim's going to be here uh, with the weather. We are also going to play Saint of the Day. And then next hour, uh, we're going to be joined by Father Gary Koch with his reflection on Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, and the reading of the Passion. And then Dr. Rick Fitzgibbons, Habits for a Healthy Marriage. And we'll talk also about uh, the things and, and suggestions for getting through these days of self-isolation and social distancing. So stay where you are. There's more to come on Friday Live.
and listened to the tales and sought to ease their hurt. Perhaps they'd hearken to the news we bear. And in the broken bread, come to know true love and its taste No usefulness has light If it's hidden away So may our souls, our hearts our minds be graced And for the Spirit's gifts and power let us God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. All right, and direct from the Domestic Church Media Weather Center, <laughs> Jim Hoffman. Hey, Jim. You have a weather center now? <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought you did. <laughs> yeah. Right, basement, living well, room, what do you got? <laughs> Do I get my own room over there? Yeah, sure. Why not? We're self-isolating. There's plenty of room for self-isolation. We can socially distance ourselves from you very easily. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we're doing it a little differently here at the Hoffman House. It's actually um, the social distance is one mile between me and my kids and my wife. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, because next hour we're going to have Dr. Rick Fitzgibbons on. He's written a book called Habits for a Healthy Marriage. We can, so tune in. Tune in, because I think a lot of couples are going to need this book. They started out like second honeymoon, and now like he's sleeping out in the shed. I'm going for a drive. <laughs> How's it going for the yeah, Hoffmans? Um, it's, going, it's going okay. You know, I'm working from home, and kids are home from school. My daughter, Grace, she's actually listening now in the other room. Good. Um oh. She's home from Franciscan University, oh. and um, my son is home from LaSalle. Kids are home from high school and elementary school, so, yeah, we have a full health. Full health. It's a happy hacienda. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, haci- it's a hacienda. Right. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. It sounds like we could start our yeah, own sit- a little stir- <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Get a little stir crazy, you know? You could write a sitcom now. Just to keep a diary. There you go. That's an idea. Yeah. Well, you're always looking to take us. Take a, you can take a ride over here, Jim. There's plenty of room. We can. We 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 have a, we have a building here, so you can spend some time in in alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's what you desire. So, uh, Go- Governor Governor Murphy won't pull me over. Um, no. <laughs> and arrest me. Nah, for going, my goodness. Going up for the well, if you wear if you're wearing a mask, you wouldn't know who you are. <laughs> Everybody looks that's the same. True. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's 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 a it's a very difficult. It's very odd. And surreal time, isn't it? I think we're all gonna like waiting to wake up now. Okay, yeah. was, was I dreaming yeah, this? Uh, yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some someone said it's. Uh, someone said on. I was in a meeting today. Someone said it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> wake up and it's like the weekend kind of blends in with the week. And you right. know what day is it? It's That's like right. the same day over and over again. That's right. right. That's right. And uh, hopefully, we can have some good weather to look forward and get everybody outside a little bit. Mm-hmm. How's that for a transition? <laughs> I like that. You're you are a professional. Oh, yeah. well, I try. I try. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how professional, right, but well, I try. <laughs> well, I will key off of that transition and okay. move right into the weather. How's that? That's great. great. Um, Ewing uh, temperature, current temperature in Ewing is 54. Freehold is 50. Hamilton 56, Hamilton 54, Cape May 57. You notice the wind yesterday, a little bit of wind this morning. Yes. Oh yes. There was a there's a storm parked out over the Atlantic Ocean and a big high pressure system up toward north and west that just was feeding, you know, this just put, pulling air down over our area pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to start moving out. And actually, some of that rain that we had today, the rain showers came from that storm off the coast with mm. the rain circulating around the uh, western end of that storm. Um, so the um, that chance of showers that we've had today, it's going to continue in, into tonight. And uh, our low is going to be around 45. We're going to have cloudy skies tonight. Saturday, mostly cloudy, high near 58, but no rain, no rain. Uh, Saturday night, mostly cloudy, low around 40. Sunday, we get a slight chance of showers in the afternoon, partly sunny, high near 63. And Sunday night, a chance of showers continuing, mostly cloudy, with a low around 45. And our first day of the week on Monday, mostly sunny, high near 66. I'll take Mm, that. Beautiful. Um, And then, yeah, just taking a quick peek into next week. Looks like we're going to have highs in the low to mid-60s and lows in the mid-upper 40s. Uh, maybe around Tuesday night, Wednesday, uh, into Thursday, chance of showers. But other than that, 
looking good, you know, getting in the spring. All right. Well, that at least people, at least people could get get out of the house. You know, at least just get out of the house and get some fresh air. And I, I the other day, yeah. even though it wasn't really sunny, um, I was just like tired of looking at the four walls, and I thought I'm going out. I put a hooded jacket on, a little drizzly, but I walked for about an hour, and I I did. I felt so much better. But can you imagine, you know, absorbing some of the sunshine? You really will feel a lot better. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, it's um. Crazy. My, my Well, you know, Jackie went to the park yesterday, Veterans Park. She said it was crowd, the most crowded she's ever seen it. Really? Veterans Park in Hamilton. So it's open. Crazy. Is it, crazy. It, it's open? I know Cheryl has found yeah, that some places are closed. Right. It's open. Yeah, it's yeah. open. Well, that's uh, a lot of these places are still open, the parks. Um, oh, that's good. But uh, I guess that'll be the next thing to close, right? <laughs> well, in Pennsylvania, they uh, closed all the state parks and, like, recreation areas. So, of course, we have the sense to not go on the playground, right? So you could yellow tape the caution sign around the playground because that that would be a breeding ground for germs but to walk on the trails miles of trails you're not really walking with a group of 20 people i i don't see it but they had everything roped off and barricaded you couldn't even get into the parking lot with the orange cones and everything so so i walk around the block and walk around the block what do you do All right, Jim. Well, listen, now next Friday, of course, is Good Friday, so we won't see you then, and and, uh, we'll be back the following Friday, God willing. But uh, you and your family have a beautiful uh, Holy Week and Trinity Woman and and a happy Easter. And Mm -hmm. and let's let's all rejoice on Easter Sunday, regardless of our current situation. We're rejoicing in the Lord that day, and we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, encourage everybody to do the same. But they say this week, you said put put greens on your door outside. Yes, I saw that. Uh, I do scroll Facebook a, a little bit too much, but they said put some greens. I mean, even if you have a Christmas wreath, for Palm <laughs> they Sunday. want for Palm Sunday, put greens on your door front. So, so do that, Jim. Yeah, I guess no no palms. Do you have any palm branches? <laughs> no, no we, we have there. fake palms here in the studio. We could yeah. use some of those, I suppose. Yeah. They're, but they're fake. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if churches would have canceled their orders. Or there's or, a lot of palms. Or there's the going to be a lot of palms <laughs> to braid or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. All right, Jim. Well, God bless you. Thanks for everything, and have a blessed Holy Week and Easter. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. You as well. Thank you. Thank God you. bless. Have All a great right. weekend. You too. Bye-bye. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. They're heroic and virtuous, living in sanctity. But just one when on earth they were just like you and me. And now they're the saint of the day. Saint of the Time to play Saint of the Day. And, of course, the rules are these. Cheryl will give you clues about our particular Saint of the Day. It's not a liturgical Saint of the Day for this particular date. It's a saint we've chosen to be our Saint of the Day. And she'll give you clues. Listen carefully. Make note. Make mental note. Put your Catholic thinking caps on. And uh, when you think you know who it is, keep that saint in mind. And then when Cheryl says this is the last clue, then... We invite you to call in, but only when she says this is the last clue. The number to call will be 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. But don't call until Cheryl says this is the last clue. 609-493-8255. And uh, again, please don't call until Cheryl says this is the last clue. So now... 
Let's play Saint of the Day. And of course, everyone's had a lot of extra time to sit home and read about the saints, so the phone should be ringing off the wall, right? Mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> this is an easy one, I think. I think so, too. This saint was born in Normandy, France in 1873. She was the youngest of five daughters. She was a very lively and lovable little girl. Her father called her his little queen. It was her great desire to enter the Carmelite convent where two of her sisters were already nuns. But since she was only 15, permission was not granted. She was sure that Jesus wanted her to spend her life loving him and only him. So she kept praying and asking the prioress to admit her. She stayed with the Benedictine nuns until more nuns would join her. Her parents tried in every way to make her return home, but she would not. Soon, her 15-year-old sister Agnes joined her. She even dared on a trip to Rome to ask Pope Leo XIII himself to grant her heart's desire, and finally she was allowed to enter. Obedience, prayer, and sacrifice were her program, and she had a thirst to suffer for the love of God. She had the spiritual courage of a real heroine. She once wrote, May Jesus make me a martyr of the heart or of the body, or better, both. She suffered from the cold and dampness of her plain bedroom. Whenever she felt humiliated or misunderstood, she would offer that pain to her beloved Jesus. She would hide her hurts under her smile. She tried hard to be humble and called her great confidence in God her little way to holiness. She was only 24 when she died, but on her deathbed she said, I have never given the good God anything but love, and it is with love that I will repay. After my death, I will let fall a shower of roses. I will spend my heaven doing good on earth. And this is the last clue. 609-493-8255. She is known as the Little Flower and died on September 30th, 19, oh, excuse me, 1897, proclaimed a saint by Pope Pius XI in 1925 and a doctor of the church by John Paul II in 1997. Very good. 609-493-8255. That's the number to call if you think you know who today's saint of the day is. And someone does. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Fernando. I'm calling from Freehold, New Jersey. Fernando from Freehold. Okay. And who do you think today's saint is? Um, St. Teresa of Lisieux. Very good. Very good, Fernando. You got it. St. Teresa. That's right. Of Lisieux. Congratulations. Now, yeah. uh, are you, what was a giveaway for you? Are you pretty, pretty, pretty uh, familiar with St. Therese? Um, uh, yes, I'm, pretty, I'm somewhat familiar from uh, by, by her life, and um, she was the patron saint of my hometown um, church oh. uh, back in Argentina. Oh, in oh, Argentina. Beautiful. Oh, how about beautiful. that? Beautiful. Yes, yes. All right, well. Now it belongs to the Roberts in the Deco Cathedral in the... Robert. Oh, yes. Gorgeous. You're That's in a good right. place there. That's right. Well, congratulations, Fernando. You are correct. St. Therese is the correct answer today. I'm going to put you on hold for a moment. Don't don't hang up, okay, because Cheryl's going to get some information from you. All right, Fernando? Great. Thank you very hold much. Hold on. Thanks oh, for playing. All right. And, friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back with more in just a bit. Don't go away.
All right, congratulations, Fernando from Freehold. Mm-hmm. Our winner today, Saint of the Day, Saint Therese, was the correct answer, and Fernando has won a fabulous prize. <laughs> I'll have to pick out something very special that he could share with the with the um, boys and boy and girls, his he has children, a boy and, two girls? and yeah, the family. Mm-hmm. So how beautiful I, I think of that. Um, if we had the kids home, you know, you'd get the board games back out and 
Yeah, but for a month. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Now I two know. months. It makes me think uh, of when, like, we would be maybe at the shore for a week, right. and you'd get a couple of rainy days. Yeah. So out comes the Play-Doh and the Scrabble and whatever else, depending on their age, you know, where you try to make cookies. I bet those those were times to bond, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, I, I we all kid around. We all know we love having. You know, it's, it's nice to be home together and just slowing yeah. down, not doing anything. Just, right. I told, because uh, earlier this week, we slept a little longer than usual. Oh, I know. I said, like I said, there's no time for me. <laughs> I said to Angela, our daughter, I said, I think I think we're sleeping into a different time zone. Oh, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> so now I'm trying to get on a schedule now to, and have a purpose. I, I That's it. You know, our work yeah. and our routines are now like all out the window. Well, you know, but not, I think it's a good thing. But as I said yesterday or earlier this week, you know, we're, we're here. You know, we may be the only connection to the church people have. Other than their own spirituality or EWTN, this so is true. it. That's you know, so true. especially with some churches being locked. Down. Sure, and mm-hmm. um, and some churches don't even aren't able to stream. You know their masses. So exactly right. You know, it's important that we're here. We will be here for as long as the Lord allows us to be here, friends. We're mm-hmm. not going anywhere. We're we're always open twenty four seven. That's right. And we'll take a quick break. Be back with more next hour. Father Gary Koch is here with his reflection on Palm Sunday, uh, the readings of the Passion. Uh, also, Father uh, Dr. Rick Fitzgibbons, Habits for a Healthy Marriage is his book. And we'll also ask the good doctor about how to cope with and deal with this self-isolation and social distancing that we're experiencing. So more to come. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. Do you love praying for people? Have you ever wanted to use your gift of prayer to share Jesus with others and build up the body of Christ? Start a public prayer station with St. Paul Street Evangelization. Listen to people's needs, pray with them, or invite them to meet you at church. St. Paul Street Evangelization can help you get started. Find out how at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. 
There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media? P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. Or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Now, when you've got Jesus in your heart, then and then only can you see and find your real self. You know why? Because you're not afraid to look at yourself. You're not going around pretending you're something you're not. If you're an angry person, you got the guts to say, I am an angry person. But with the grace of God and the power of His Spirit, the power of Spirit. I can become like who? Like Jesus. Not like me. Not like the best in me, but like Jesus in me. You see, it's very, very important that when you go around looking for yourself, that you try to find out who you are, that you have Jesus in your heart. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? It's a good question. Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze. I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. We've actually organized a date night tonight. I cooked my husband's favorite breakfast. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. What have you done for your marriage today? Don't forget the small stuff. Need ideas? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Another hour of Friday Live on this first Friday, uh, February 3rd. 
April 3rd. I don't know why I See, thought See, I February. told you, time is playing. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Games and it us. is First Friday. Unfortunately, the bishop, bishop could not be with us today, but uh, coming up after this program at 6 o'clock, Bill and George are here with Brothers in Arms uh, with their guest Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated and uh, Fox uh, Baseball. He'll be joining them. And then um, this Matt, might also be your only connection to sports. There is another well, they, one of the questions that they asked uh, Tom, because he's a sports writer, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you writing about? But he says there yeah. are stories out there. And, and how then, many times have you watched uh, playoff games? Yeah, I know. How many times have I watched the Yankees and Red Sox 1978 Bucky Dent game? <laughs> You've got it memorized it's by like, now. Come on. Um, <laughs> But I was thinking, I, I don't, I, you know, even when things get back to, they say you can go out again, will people even go to baseball stadiums and sit next that close or in theaters, sit that close to people thinking I might be sitting next to Typhoid Mary, you know? I mean, well, <laughs> you know, do, do we live in fear or? I won't have any problem. I don't have any problem now personally, but uh, the sad thing is, you know, you, again, the churches have been closed and locked in this day, in this diocese and other dioceses, yet the Wombas are packed, and the grocery stores are packed, and, right. and those buildings are open. I don't. I just don't get it. How the state can say, close the churches for health reasons, and let you stand online waiting for your bologna sandwich. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, they're eventually going to arrest me. I'm sure because I've been kind of mouthing, <laughs> mouthing off here a lot this weekend. But you know, as I sit here and I look at our beautiful logo, and it, it's the perfect size of those masks. We could make. That's true. I could make them with like the DCM logo. Hey, there's on it. an idea. Why don't yeah. we do that? Can you have material at home? I do. Can I Can we do that like fabric. stencil this on there, and there's then some, uh, we've got to get creative. Get with some this. elastic around it, and mm-hmm. have, have free advertising. <laughs> Domestic church media surgical masks. That'll oh work. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, we're gonna go to. Father Gary Koch, in just a moment. I just got an email. I'd like to stay up to date. You know, our friends at the, at the diocese are always so good to us. Um, uh, I did just, just get an email from Rayanne Bennett from the diocese who asked if we could share this information. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I find it now, I just lost it. Yeah. That um, the April issue of the Monitor magazine uh, is a special edition devoted to this subject of the coronavirus as we head into the most sacred week of the church's year. Oh, good work. Uh, the Monitor has learned, uh, published a collection of stories to give you practical information and resources, but also to lift you up. Uh, and because of this special content, the diocese is providing free and open digital access to its website uh, and the Monitor. So then we have the Monitor on our on our free mobile app. So if you go to Domestic Church Media app, uh, and uh, you can see the monitors on there. You can now get a free uh, digital edition of the of the Trenton Monitor. Because we're not going to go to the churches to pick one up. No. Right? Or maybe no. they're not mailing them. People uh, do subscribe. I, I didn't say that, but it's a special yeah. edition. But that's good. And uh, anyway, you can, no. you can go to their website, trentonmonitor.com, where you can find it on our uh, uh, mobile app. It's there for free. Uh, looking for something to uh, uplift your spirits. There's something mm-hmm. you can do that as well. Of course, this uh, Sunday is Palm Sunday, and normally here we, we read the gospel for the coming Sunday, but of course it's the Passion. Mm-hmm. There's only two of us, so we would need a third person. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so we can't do it. But there you can get your Bible and, and read along as you're live streaming masses, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and we're all certainly so familiar with the Passion reading. But, sure. but we will go to Father Gary Koch in just a second, and uh, coming up a little later on, uh, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons who has written a book called Healthy Habits for, I'm sorry, Habits for a Healthy Marriage. And a doctor will be here. And also address, I'm going to ask him to kind of intertwine all this into how we can 
uh, cope with this uh, self-isolation and social distancing as well. So, And, you know, there's a lot of little things we do. As I was reading Saint of the Day, Saint Therese, and her little way to holiness, we can do that, too, that we're home. And, of course, there's a good handful of people that are working even more. I think of those on the front lines, the medical and mm-hmm. emergency people and police. There, But others that are self-quarantined and, and looking for something a little bit different— Maybe those little tiny things like pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a, in a long that, time. Wasn't that commercial ones? Reach out and call someone. Reach out and call, touch someone. Reach out and touch oh, you, know, you can't touch them, but you can speak with yeah, them. Yeah, don't touch them. God forbid. <laughs> Reach that, out and touch. Wasn't that a phone, com- somebody, phone commercial so. or something? I think so. And, and then, then even to wake up or or at the— Waking at the, up is always good. That's very good. Waking up but, is a good sign. But then to think, <laughs> what am I grateful for today? But maybe that's a reflection for before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what am I grateful for today? A little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Who am I checking in on or connecting with in some way? What expectations of normal am I letting go of today? So our normalcy has been entirely rescribed and, uh, you know, rewritten for us. So, you know, what's, what's different and what can you let go to? When you go back to normal, is it all worth really going back to? Mm. You know, can we slow down? And how am I maybe getting outside and moving a little bit? you got to move around, get a little exercise. Well, if the weather would cooperate. Mm. Gardening is nice. Gardening. So create beauty in some way, you know. Create beauty. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. And I try my, I don't have a green thumb, but I will go out and pull the weeds anyway. Yeah. I can do that much. Very good. So little things to lift yourself up and lift the spirits of somebody All else. Right. And we'll talk with the good Dr. Fitzgibbons later on about some of those things as well. So stay tuned, friend. We're going to go to Father Gary Koch with a reflection on this Sunday's gospel, the reading of the Passion. Palm Sunday brings about the reading of the Passion narrative from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. There is no passage in the New Testament that is more misunderstood and controversial than is a simple one sentence found in the Passion that we hear this Sunday. The passage, His blood be upon us and our children. As a side note, in Greek there is actually no verb in that sentence. So the inclusion of verbs in the various translation reflects the intent of the translator and not of the author. Taken out of its context, that is within the totality of both the Passion narrative and the entire Gospel according to St. Matthew, the verse can be problematic. It sounds, according to translation, that the crowd is calling down a curse upon themselves. This rendering, has been the root of vehement anti-Semitism over the millennia. Reference to blood appears four times in Matthew's Passion. The first occurrence is at the Last Supper, as Jesus institutes the Eucharist with the familiar, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sin. The second time blood is mentioned occurs as Judas Iscariot flings the 30 pieces of silver which he received as a price for betraying Jesus back into the temple. He says, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. Immediately following, the priests purchase the cemetery for foreigners. They say it is not lawful to deposit this in the temple treasury, for it is the price of blood. Therefore they called it the field of blood. 
The final use is as the crowd calls for the blood upon us and our children. Yet blood itself has a much deeper presence in the gospel, one which is less apparent, but which makes sense out of the other direct references to blood. Jesus, as he dies on the cross, clearly pours out his blood, as he prophesies at the Last Supper, for the forgiveness of sins. In keeping with the specifics of the tradition of Jewish law, Jesus' blood is that of an innocent, indeed of the innocent one, whose life must be avenged by God. As the innocent victim, Jesus lays down his life for us. As with the sacrificial lamb of Passover, the death of Jesus is framed as an expiation for our sins. As Jesus is the sinless one, then there is no sacrifice necessary for himself, making his sacrifice perfect on our behalf. We get a glimpse of this in the second reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Jesus, through his perfect obedience, even to death on the cross, is glorified by God and effects our salvation. Jesus' death is for us and for our salvation, once and for all. The importance of the blood of the innocent is found repeatedly through the scriptures and is made note of earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus makes a reference to the murder of the prophet Zechariah. Though we know only of the details of his death through legend and not the Bible, it is told that he was slain in the temple between the altar of sacrifice and the Holy of Holies. According to the legend, his blood stained the stone and continued to seep long after his body was removed. It is believed that his murder brought about the destruction of the temple as a rebuke from God for the shedding of his innocent blood. It is within this context, then, that we are to understand Jesus' death and the cry of the crowd. Jesus' death is for them. Indeed, his blood is being poured out for them as it is for us. Unwittingly, they are praying for their own salvation, that they might be redeemed while at the same time they are guilty. Each of us, through our sinfulness and our inability to repent fully and to live perfectly, participate in the passion and death of Jesus, like the crowd, we call upon Jesus to pour his blood upon us and upon our children. This is what we do each and every time we participate in the Eucharist. The plea of the crowd is indeed our prayer as we share in the suffering of Christ, who poured out his blood for our salvation.
Okay, the hosannas can be sung this weekend. That's right. I love that. Still can't sing hallelujah, though. No. I'm thinking, you know, we have fake palms in here. Maybe on Sunday when we come to Mass in our little Mass, we'll listen to the Mass. We'll put palms around the altar just to make it feel a little bit more like Palm Sunday. Do what you can at home to try to create your own little church, your own little chapel, a little shrine. And we haven't gotten word about the other diocese. The churches are still open. They are in Pennsylvania. Of course, you probably know we live in Bucks County, so I go to, I try to get to a different church. But did you go and, today? Well, I, I didn't today because I was coming right. here. Mm. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're following suit. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But they were open as of yesterday. I went into mm-hmm. just to sit and pray. There might be two or three people there. That's it. Yeah. Um, and Metuchen, I know they're still open, D- the Diocese of Metuchen, but... You know, they may follow suit. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're uh, you know, we understand and humbly understand the blessing we have to be able to come into a chapel here with the tabernacle and the Blessed Sacrament because there are many people. But one, one thing we can assure you of, friends, is that we will pray for you uh, in our time before the tabernacle here. And, uh, and please text some prayer requests, perhaps. As Jim mentioned Monday, we will not have the 3 o'clock come to the throne hour with Bruce and Linda um, you know, we're all fervently p- praying at home, and people have written how much they appreciate that three o'clock holy mm-hmm. hour with the, the teaching by um, yeah, first with the Sister chaplet, Anne. and then we have teaching by Sister Anne Shields on the readings of the day, and then the rosary with Father Benedict. So it's a nice way to just kind of take that hour of mercy and put it aside, mm-hmm. and just I, I sit in the studio here and just listen to right, you know, and pray along. So it's uh, very relaxing and, and very peaceful. So mm-hmm. and we'll continue to do that. So that'll start again on Monday. Um, uh, so Bruce will not be here until things will, we'll, you know, settle down. He, he, he just felt it was more important at this point to have that kind of prayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're also looking for, before we take a little break and get Dr. Fitzgibbons on the phone, um, we are going to on Easter Sunday play, um, uh, Easter music starting at one o'clock for the rest of the day to kind of put it in the background of your, your home celebrations and 
wherever you are. So we are still looking for suggestions. If you have favorite hymns, Easter hymns, favorite Christian hymns, or praise and worship, uh, you can text us, and Cheryl will include it on her playlist, 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. And I'll give a quick shout-out to our new family uh, in Virginia, Mariette and Paul, wrote in with some great song suggestions. And so, hello to you. And they said um, they listen on their iPad or on Mm -hmm. streaming, you know. So from Virginia, you'll get your songs, good Good suggestions. So allow us to be a part of your Easter celebration. We can't be there physically with you, but we'll certainly fill the airwaves in your homes with beautiful praise and and Easter music, rejoicing in the resurrection. So Mm -hmm. let's take a break, and I'll get Dr. Fitzgibbons on the phone. He's going to talk about his new book, Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a handbook for Catholic couples. So you stay where you are, friends. There's more to come. Don't go away. This is Oblate Father Andrew Small, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. A Lenten Reflection Some say that we're no deeper than what's carved into us. It's love with all its labors that merits such a fuss. But I would add a little sad. It's only half the cup. What also makes us deeper is what we've given up. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. All right, friends, welcome back. It's uh, great to have you uh, with us on this uh, first Friday. And again, I'm having a hard time understanding what, what time of day it is, what day it is. But anyway, we're, we're joined now by a very familiar voice to so many of you here on uh, Domestic Church Media because you hear him on Catholic Answers. He's been a guest numerous times on uh, John F. Bankovic's program. And uh, Dr. Fitzgibbons, uh, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons, has treated and written about excessive anger and other psychological conflicts in marriage and families for 40 years. He's the co-author of Forgiveness Therapy. He's married with three children and uh, a, a wonderful, holy Catholic man. Doctor, welcome to the program. Hey, great being with you guys. Thank you for inviting me. Well, oh, it's wonderful to hear your voice. And how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, surrounded by the love of my wife and three daughters, who are home, two of whom are home from college. So it's been a working <laughs> out of my home office. I've never enjoyed practicing more. There oh, you go. So that's beautiful. great. That's, that's a great outlet. 
Well, Doctor, you've written a book called Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a handbook right. for Catholic couples. And Cheryl and I were saying it came out at just the right time because so many <laughs> Catholic couples now are, 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 are spending so much more time together yeah, perhaps than we have we're, in the past. Right. We're being, our virtues are being tested. Excuse me? Right. We're being really challenged at this time to really uh, yes. especially deal with anxiety, right. which has gone right through the roof. Yeah. It's addressed in this book, and irritability. Mm. So the more anxious we are, the more irritable we are. Mm. So one of the major causes of anxiety is irritability, of, uh, irritability is anxiety. So this book ca- captures a number of, describes a number of virtues that are extremely helpful in dealing the four of the major marital toxins, anger, selfishness, control, and being emotionally distant. So I was happy to put it together and with the great writing of St. John Paul II, mm, his writing, this book would have never happened because it was through him when I was a psychiatric resident at Penn, he became the Pope shortly after I finished my training. And it was uh, his writing, especially the role of the Christian family in the modern world, has been a uh, phenomenal support to me and my work with couples and with priests, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor, as in my own uh, spiritual journey, one of the first things I ever read by was by John Paul, as I was, the Lord mm-hmm. was leading me, was Familiaris Consortio on uh, the family, uh, a beautiful document. And and I was I was we were pretty much newlywed. Our children were very little, and and uh, mm-hmm. it really meant a lot to me. And, and I think it really sent planted a beautiful seed in in our life, mm-hmm. in our family especially, and raising our children and and as a couple. Um, but now this book, again, friends, it's, it's called Habits for Healthy, uh, for a Healthy Marriage, a Handbook for Catholic Couples. Doctor, you've written about marriage. What's, what's different and unique about this one? So several things. What's unique is the book begins with the foreword by the Archbishop of Denver, Bishop Samuel Aquila, Understanding Catholic Marriage. This is very, very important. This is what John Paul II has tried to do because we've had a great deal of lack of confusion, quite frankly, with Humanae Vitae and the rebellion against the Church's teaching on sexual morality. The teaching on sexual on Catholic marriage has mm, diminished markedly over the past 50 years. John Paul II's writing is a tremendous light on a lampstand so that we can look more clearly what Catholic marriage is. And so it... it Catholic marriage differs markedly from the pervasive cultural view of marriage. That view of marriage is this. Marriage is about me, me, and me. It's about my happiness. And what does that do to couples that turns them in upon themselves? What do you think is happening to those marriages right now? They are in super big trouble. The Catholic view of marriage is this. It's a sacred, lifelong union, husband and wife, a mission, important issue, a mission share mutual love, raise children, help each other and their children attain eternal life. That is inspiring. It is very demanding. It is extremely fulfilling. And then, Doctor, now you mentioned that you, in your, as you began your career, John Paul obviously had a great influence, so you've been in, in practice for many years. Have you seen, what have you seen as far as Catholic marriages go over these this time period? I mean, a deterioration in marriage, and, and, and what are the social reasons for this, if any, or what are they, and, and how well, has, has it evolved this way? So we've seen an explosion of selfishness, mm. and the contraceptive mentality fostered that, because it focused on me, me, me. We've moved from having a Catholic family of four or five children to two children. I'm not saying this to criticize anyone, but we haven't had a full teaching about the nature of marriage, the nature of love, 
Thomas Aquinas. Love, by its very nature, is expansive. It goes out. It doesn't turn in. Mm-hmm. And what selfishness has done is it has driven, it has intensified anger in marriages. It's the selfishness fosters the thinking, me, not we. That has caused enormous, enormous harm to Catholic marriages. The mental health field has supported that. As I cited in this book, a big study from Florida, top marital scholars, uh, 600 couples go in therapy. Those who are in treatment, those who are in treatment versus those who are not in treatment, those in treatment two to three times more divorce than those not in treatment. Why would that be? Well, it's because most mental health professionals, and unfortunately many clergy, have given in to this view of selfishness. You know, oh, you're not happy. Well, you have the right to be happy. We're failing to realize this. This book zeroes in on a reality. 70%, okay, 70% of people's psychological adult problems in their adult life, 70% roughly, arise from unresolved issues in their childhood. So someone says, I'm not happy. Well, guess what? They were not happy in their loving relationship with their father, most often, or with their mother, or a lack of flow of love between the parents, or the explosion, explosion of divorce. We've had, we've had a major attack on marriage over the past 50 years, and the contraceptive ment- the clear relationship between the contraceptive mentality and divorce. You can track them out. Lay the, the, lay the numbers right over one another, the graph. And so this has been a major problem. It's weakened the commitment to Catholic marriage. John Paul II's writing has been phenomenal. So one of the reasons for this book is to help integrate more fully the writings of St. John Paul II into the psychological science. My major, major focus in psychological Psychological science has been writing about forgiveness, how you use forgiveness with my colleague at the University of Wisconsin in treating psychiatric disorders. Every psychiatric disorder has excessive anger associated with it. Every marital conflict has anger associated with it. The treatment of that anger that was totally unique about this book in the mental health field and in the field of marital therapy, that the treatment, you must uncover the child and adolescent hurts. There's a parental survey you can look at, other things to look at, a lot of self-help in this book, case studies about couples struggled with these different things that overcome them, a guideline of how to do it. This book is not about trying to generate referrals into my practice. This book is about helping Catholic couples uncover their weaknesses and recognize this, that it is God who brought them together. There's a sacramental bond. You can always rely on that bond, no matter how bad the problem is. And growth in virtues and growth in grace can help most couples overcome these weaknesses. And the reality is this, most marital conflicts can be resolved. Right. And, and I, what I see here is that we're so affected by our culture. The marriages have been driven by the, the culture who is stressing, you know, you need a day off. You need to go to the spa, you know, right. like individual, oh, right. you know, like because I need to be happy. And there's not that self-giving, which is so rewarding, but it, it needs to be taught because I think we've lost that over the years. And that this union between man and wife is, is not just two, but I, I see it as a trinity. It's the husband, the wife and God. God brought them together. And that's why I think it's just so, so important important that if you go, you're seeking therapy, psychological, um, psychiatric, that it, it's one of the, the Catholic doctors, because they're going to bring that element into, it's not just science, it's the, our religion is going to help us. Also, 
bring the three for marriages that uh, Fulton Sheen wrote is that the Lord is with us in our marriages. Mm-hmm. So if we ask him, show me what's inside myself. I mean, it's easy to look at your spouse and say, oh, my spouse has this issue or that issue. Fine, mm-hmm. we all have. There was only one perfect family. So every single one of us comes into our marriage with wonderful gifts from our families. But all of us come in with weaknesses also. And, and part of this book, the last chapter, is the virtue of humility. Honestly looking at what other, do a parental survey, what are my parents' gifts and weaknesses? And guess what? You're going to repeat the weaknesses in your marriage or in your priesthood or in your religious life unless you uncover it, and then you grow in virtues, and then maybe you take it to the sacrament of reconciliation, you take it to the Eucharist, and mm. negative legacies can be broken. And they are one of the major problems because we've had this explosion of divorce in the Catholic Church, and the children of divorce are markedly limited in their ability to marry. And so one of the chapters is about the withdrawal from marriage, massive withdrawal from marriage. In 1969, we had 420,000 Catholic marriages in the United States. In 2016, we had 144. Oh, my. 420 yeah. to 144. Wow. And it's so this, this dispensable society. People don't like something, they toss it away. Well, there it is, exactly. Exactly. If I'm, you know, and that's carried into the whole corporate world, too. Right. You know, you, you've been with me 25 years. Yeah, but I, we're, t- we're about profit. See you later. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can, you can almost, and I think it's almost like the abortion mentality. You know, I can abort an employee. I can abort a spouse. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all the peace, I think. Yeah. It's a spendable Look, commodity. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons. The book is called Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a Handbook for Catholic Couples. It's published by Ignatius Press. That's Ignatius.com is their website. Doctor, um, is this book for newlyweds, or Cheryl and I are married 35 years? Is that for us? Uh, who's it for? Okay, that's a, good, that's a great question, uh, Jim. Yeah, it's, it's really meant for couples at every stage. So the last chapter has been primarily for couples who are engaged, but it's also meant for ongoing marital enrichment programs. You know, let's look at ourselves honestly. Let's look at our weaknesses. Let's look at our strengths. And in each chapter, there's an attempt to look at, to rate yourself on your ability to trust or your Mm. sadness or your responsibility or your selfishness or your anger and realize that this is hard work. This is demanding work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Mm. It's worth uh-huh. fulfilling to be, because what's the goal of having a healthy personality from a Christian perspective? Well, the goal of growing in virtues is this, is to become another Christ. Yeah. It's to become Christ-like. And the more Christ-like we are, the happier we're going to be in our marriages and the happier our spouses are going to be. So it's really about, you know, really looking at it. So it's meant, okay, so it's meant, back to your question, Jim, it's meant for couples at any stage of life. It is also meant for Roman Catholic priests because the habits, I've done a lot of work with Roman Catholic priests over the past 40 years, the habits that are needed for a healthy marriage are exactly the same habits that are needed for a healthy priesthood. They're the same habits that are needed for a healthy childhood. In other words, these, these emotional passions, anger, sadness, selfishness, insecurity, putting up a wall, being guarded, not trusting. Mm. These are things that happen, can happen very early in life, and unless they're addressed, they can, they can limit you for the rest of your life. That's not God's plan. As John Paul II wrote, you know, without forgiveness, we are prisoners of our past. And so many couples, without realizing it, are prisoners of something that happened to them, oftentimes when they were very young, right. four, five, six, and had no idea that this is operating, going on within them. And like I used to sit, Jim and Cheryl, periodically during the course of the day in the patient's chair. 
and say in my office and say, okay, Lord, if I have some weaknesses like some of the people this week, let's see, please show me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rick, here you go. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> well, you know, Doctor, that's a great point because you mentioned there really was only one perfect family. And I think a lot of couples, when they feel that they have issues or they're having issues, that there's something wrong with them. I see another, you know, they might see another couple and say, gee, they, they seem so happy and they're such a perfect couple. Why can't we be more like them? Right. What, what do you say to couples like that? Because we have a lot of listeners, a lot of married couples, a lot of people home right now together. Oh, yeah. Spending a lot of time yeah. together. Well, look, I think, it's, uh, I think one of the things that's very, very important that John Paul II wrote is to, is to be loyal to the goodness in our spouse. Basically, his writing was complex and love and responsibility. It took me a long time to get through that. I, I was helped by abridged versions of it. And, but I, thought, I think it's really key is thinking, you know, be loyal to the core goodness in your spouse. Does every spouse have weaknesses? Of course they have weaknesses. But here's the good news. Those weaknesses, anger, selfishness, control, compulsive behaviors, even infidelity, those weaknesses are on the periphery. They're on the outside of the core goodness of that human being who you fell in love with and married to. And those weaknesses can be healed. They can be healed, but they have to be uncovered. Mm. That takes hard work and takes humility because we can, we can see the weaknesses in our spouse, but it's hard to look at our own weaknesses. Mm. It takes hard work, but we can really work, give ourselves to uncover them. Then, then marriages can be so much better, especially if we accept, understand the Catholic view of marriage. As Cheryl was saying, it's about not me, 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 me. It's about giving. It's about fulfillment, enjoying children, enjoying grandchildren. This is enormously enriching. There's nothing like it. Mm. Nothing compares to it in terms of fulfillment in life. Doctor, you mentioned that we enter into this uh, unity of marriage, and we each have gifts to bring to the table, but we also Mm -hmm. bring baggage, maybe not even from our childhood, but maybe even handed down through the family tree. And through those things, we have developed... um, an inability to trust and, and forgiveness is big, but I think trust might even be bigger. What, what's your take well, on that? Well, that's a very good point you're making. So when I was thinking about this book, I was thinking, should the trust chapter be first in this book? Mm. Well, it's very, very important, but trusting is extremely important. And my recommendation is this, and I sometimes do this, uh, Cheryl and Jim, when I leave the house in the morning, um, because I know if you look at this view of trust from a sort of a spiritual, psychological viewpoint. What is the first attack on the first marriage? It is this. Eve, you really can't trust God the Father. No, no, no. no. Don't trust him. Don't. So the attack on trust has been gone on every age of man. It's vital that it be protected. So frequently, when I leave the house in the morning, I say a little prayer with my wife. Lord, deepen our trust in you, number one. Number two, deepen our trust in each other. Mm-hmm. At this present moment in history, unprecedented. This is extraordinary time we're in. Yes. I mean, President Merkel of Germany said, this is, this is worse than World War II. This is extraordinary what we're going through right now. But this is a time when enormous trust is needed, because with so many couples who are probably listening to the show, anxiety, irritability are going through the roof. Yes. Okay? And so it's so important during this time that in our families, we try not to express anger. So irritability, I mean, anxiety can make us angry. It can make us push our spouse away. It can make us think he or she is a problem, not a gift to me. So working at not expressing anger, and how do you do that? You do it the way the Lord told St. Peter. Peter, forgive seven times 70. That means this. From a psychological point of view, 
keep thinking inwardly, I want to forgive, I want to forgive, I want to forgive. I'm not going to open my mouth <laughs> until my anger subsides. Yes. Then I'll try to, honey, by the way, you know. Yeah. So trusting one's spouse and asking God to uh, trust more. My wife saying to me the other day, I was telling her about encouraging patients to trust more. And she said, well, Rick, what about this? Suggesting, Lord, I tr- trust you. Help my lack of trust. Mm. Yes. And like, yeah, we're talking with Dr. Richard Fitzgibbon's friends, and then the book is called Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a handbook for Catholic couples, published by Ignatius Press. Ignatius.com is their website. Doctor, in, in the book, you discuss respect overcoming the urge to control. Yeah, so that's a big one. Talk a little bit about so the, that. So here we go, Jim. So two of the major conflicts that I deal with all day long in my work are this tendency to control, and where does that come from? Well, it can come from what Cheryl mentioned earlier about damage to trust. So if your safe feeling drops when you're a child or you've been hurt in your life, um, okay, you've been, you've, you've been victimized by abortion, okay? You've been sexually abused. You've, your parents were alcoholics. Everything is out of control in your past. And because it was out of con- it was, things were out of control emotionally, you then, in your marriage, can grab the reins and become much, much too controlling. Yes. Okay? And that is, can be a major reason why people think, I'm out of here. I'm mm-hmm. out of here. I can't take it anymore. Right? And it can be like 10, and couples come to my office married 10, 20, 30 years, say, I'm not, I have to leave. I can't take this control anymore. So thinking more about respecting one's spouse. And when a spouse is controlling, I learned the hard way, instead of suggesting to someone, well, look, I think you modeled after a controlling mother, a controlling father, that really worked. But then suggesting, well, how about the virtue of respect? How about just thinking, I want to respect my spouse more, and that goes to, to communicating to in-laws. This can be a range of problems in some families where some in-laws can be very controlling and very disrespectful. So making a decision, and even right, right, right now, the tremendous stress we're under, worrying, what's going to happen here to us? What's going to happen to business, the economy, to health? Am I going to get the COVID virus? Think, trying to think more. God is in control. Yes. When can, like reminding your spouse, hey, honey, COVID virus, we're scared. God is in control. Mm. We can trust him. We know, we know what our goal is. Our goal is eternal life with God. Right. Okay, so, you know, it's, you know hopefully the, some of these new medicines, uh, Plaquenil and, and uh, ZPAC may really touch Maybe cause this illness, but we may turn a corner soon. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But uh, this respect, Jim, is very, very con- important because here, here we go. The more selfish you are, so this is we talked about hurts in the past that cause the tendency to control. But in this culture today, the number one thing that causes the tendency to control, selfishness. Mm-hmm. The number one thing that causes anger, selfishness. But I was trained to think anger comes from life hurts. In a couple of textbooks I've written on anger. With my colleague at the University of Wisconsin, the first one I read about that, the second one, after practicing maybe 20, 25 years, it hit me. Wait a minute. Most youth whom I treat, majority, their problem is not from life hurts. Their problem is from giving into selfishness. And you know what the great tragedy is? Their parents don't correct it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Their parents don't correct it. Yeah. Uh, Their yeah. parents have given into selfishness. Oh, to, like par- patients of mine get offended when I tell them. Them, their children in my office, teenagers. Okay, you know, your garden variety selfishness. It goes back to Saint Augustine, two great loves: love of self versus the love of the love of God in mm-hmm. our family. Well, you've given into the love of self. Yeah, you can fight against it. Yeah, don't give into it. Fight against it. That's right. 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 
Now, we're talking most recently uh, in our culture, and in the past, especially the past month, about social distancing. What about emotional mm-hmm. distance, <laughs> Doctor? Oh, boy. <laughs> so there, there, Jim, Dad, I'm glad you asked that question, because in my work, the two major things I deal with in marriage that cause conflict. The number one complaint in wives about their husbands is they're emotionally distant. Mm-hmm. That's the number one complaint. I get there. The most common complaint to get husbands about their wives, well, maybe they um, a little bit too controlling. Sometimes they're controlling. They're not really Sometimes they just want a closer, loving relationship. And don't so know how to, yeah, don't know how to execute that. Yeah, so I think it's good for us men in particular to think many of our fathers, very good men, but their major love language, good love language, was deeds. It's a great love language. Protector, loyal not going to divorce a, what, a mother. They're going to be there. And so that's great. But for many of us men, it can be very helpful to think, Lord, I want to be loyal to my father's good qualities, but I want to show more affection. I want to praise my wife more. Honey, the wife, the wife is the heart of the family, the son of the family. One of the, uh, Leo the 13th wrote, or no, Pius XI wrote about that. And, and so we've got to try to protect, we men have to try to protect the hearts of our wives from loneliness. Because if we don't, um, it's going to markedly harm the marriage. And we protect our wives from loneliness, pursuing what John Paul II recommended, and love and responsibilities, romantic love, close quality time in the marital friendship, spousal love, meaning intimacy, intimacy, yes, but more than intimacy. The total giving of moving from me to we, the total surrender of yourself to your spouse and your and total union with them. And when that union, as John Paul II writes, is far greater than you can think. In some ways, it almost mirrors union within the Trinity. A total giving within the Trinity is the model, namely for marriages. So we men are helped, clergy are helped by thinking, I want to fight any tendency to be emotionally distant. I want to be more giving to the romantic love, to the marital friendship, and to total surrendering of myself. To my spouse. That's very sacrificial. It's very self-giving. And we have to, oh. you know, we have to remove ourselves from being the axis of the Earth's rotation, you yeah. know, and, and, you know. Yeah, when I was working on this book, the, the words of John Paul II came to me. In many of the countries of the world he visited, he said from the Second Vatican Council, and I suspect he wrote these words, man finds himself by giving himself. Mm-hmm. In the culture we're in, the message is you find yourself by taking care of yourself. Yes, right. If you find yourself by, look at your marriage, what am I getting out of this? Mm-hmm. You, know, I, well, you know, and of course that is being shaken to its core right now. Right. Yeah. You know, so this soulmate view of marriage, Brad Wilcox, a great family scholar who endorsed this book at the University of Virginia. I hope you have him on if you haven't had him on yet. He's phenomenal. And he looks at this, you know, this soulmate view of marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, what it basically is, it's not a soulmate view of marriage. It's, it's a temporary mate. I'm a temporary mate. And if I'm not happy, goodbye. Mm-hmm. So those, those relationships last 2.4 years, a couple years. And under this stress, they're lasting much long, shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Because there's no sense of God helping you. It's all about me. I have to be in control. There's no, I feel so bad for these couples I feel so thankful for the Catholic faith that we can ask God to help us. And all right, we can have bad days. We can have get knocked down. You know, we can have, you know, deaths and then, not deaths, but hurts, but then resurrections yeah. occur yes. in Catholic marriages. Yes. And they can occur repeatedly in Catholic marriages. And that's 
through the Eucharist, through the sacraments. We're so blessed in the Catholic Church. And so my, my, my hope is that this book, too, will help young people, especially young men, recognize the great mission of marriage. And you're going to be much happier giving yourself in marriage and trusting God and not being so selfish, not hold on to your marijuana and your pornography, and, and think about this mission to marriage and to have Catholic parents, I mean, really teach their children this and coach their children, mm-hmm. be more confident in talking to their single children about, hey, guys, happiness and fulfillment are found much more in a sense of mission. Men want a sense of mission. Mm-hmm. We all want it, but men in particular want a sense of mission to be a protector. Because when you look at what makes men satisfied, what careers makes men happy and fulfilled, in Forbes magazine, the number one issue, number one goal was being a clergyman, and the second goal was being a fireman. Mm-hmm. In both uh-huh. vocations, both areas, there is giving to others. There's yes. trying to be a protector of other people, protect them from earthly fires, protect them from eternal fires. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Rick Fitzgibbons, and the book is called Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a handbook for Catholic couples, published by Ignatius Press. It's Ignatius.com is their website. Doctor, we have a few minutes left. I just, as we're talking about this, a lot of what the issues that you bring up in the book are kind of maybe magnified now as people are self-isolating and we're all kind of... Oh, they are. You know, Cheryl and I, we're very blessed because in our we have no children at home. It's just the two of us and and the cat. (laughs) That's right. My (laughs) beloved kitten. Yes. (laughs) It's a bone of contention there. But, but, you know, we we, we obviously, we're we're having a good time together. We sat down at the piano the other night and we hadn't done that probably in 30 years and started doing... It's what brought us together in the first place. Right. You know, and so that was... So we're learning... Maybe to our listeners, and you mentioned the sacraments, which people now are so, so sorely missing. How oh, how can we cope with all this situation right now? Well, there there we go. So, a prayer. There's no question that there's many studies done at the a number of universities showing that faith has enormous benefits for psychological stress. Mm. And so, I think you know, saying getting back to saying family prayer. My wife was reading me a comment by someone who's an atheist who said in this crisis. I'm on my knees saying in the Our Father. I, oh. I, I hope that I hope that's okay. Wow. You know, and so it's like no 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 atheists in a foxhole. Mm-hmm. We are we're at a war here. And so I think in trusting God with what's going on, number one, for our fears. We're all afraid. Everyone's afraid. Yes. If you think you're not afraid, you're in denial. And a lot of people try to deny their fears. You know, so I think in the family communicating, we're gonna trust God with all our fears, guys. And for some people are very lonely. All right, God's first words to Adam were it's not good to be alone. He would have never said that unless he wants to help us. I've, several times in the last couple of weeks, I've told teenagers and college students, okay, you can't see your friends. I cite Genesis 2. Think of the Lord as your friend. Think here in this marriage, we have another friend helping us in this marriage. And then really fighting against anger, thinking, help me not express anger. Because some couples are so stressed out and so worried that they become very irritable and they take it out on the person they love the most. We don't want to do that. Right. And we want, right. we want to be hopeful. The virtue of hope, the Catechism of the Catholic Church has a magnificent section on hope. I would really recommend reading it because that can really reduce our sadness and, and loneliness that people can have. And then also just gratitude, thanking God for you know, being with us. I mean, the Psalms have, for thousands of years been one of the major writing that people have relied on under times of stress and turmoil, such as we're in right now. So I right. think those psalms can be very helpful. And for us Catholics, um, the feeling of comfort in life, 
The safest place in life when you're a child is with your mother. Yes. That's the safe harbor. Before you're born, that's the safe harbor. So we Catholics are very fortunate that we can go to Our Lady. John Paul II's motto was totus tuus Maria. I, I think he may have said, I wonder if he may not have said that a hundred times a day. Yes, mm-hmm. totally Mayor, yours. Mary, mm-hmm. help us feel, you're our mother, help us feel safe, protect us, and the rosary for Catholics can be very helpful during stormy times like these. Absolutely. Beautiful. I can't see how anybody can get through any situation without their faith, but especially now, especially now, our rich treasure of uh, Catholic, oh. you know, the prayers, the trust, the psalms, the comfort, the consolation, prayer. And without EWTN and, and all the Catholic radio stations that are providing this window into our faith, you know, tell a friend you're, you're um, obsessing over anxiousness and fear. Turn on the Catholic radio and, and see what God can, how he can offer hope. Amen. That's wonderful advice. And, uh, That's wonderful advice. Doctor, we want to thank you for all you've been doing for the church these many years. Again, friends, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons. The book is called Habits for a Healthy Marriage, a handbook for Catholic couples. It's published by Ignatius Press. You can check it out, ignatius.com. Uh, doctor, thanks for taking time out of your schedule today. Can, can, can I mention one other, just one other thing? Yes, any mar- parting our, our marital website, sure. maritalhealing.com. Okay. Maritalhealing.com. Our, our, our child website. Childhealing.com. Okay, oh, very beautiful. good. And friends, doctor's right over here in Conshohocken, by the way. He's one of our local neighbors. So, doctor, <laughs> we, we thank you for being a part great of our day. Great thing with you. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. God you bless too. you. Thank stay you. Stay well. <laughs> All right, friends, uh, you stay where you are. Oh, no, I guess we're not going to be better. We only have a couple more minutes left. With okay. You. So, thank well, you, doctor. beautiful, beautiful wisdom. And again, the book, I think, for, for everyone, not just because, oh, gee, I might have a so this means we'll have to go troubled. home tonight and read some chapters That's right. together. That's right. Even, you know, you might not have a troubled marriage, but everybody knows that there's something that we could each work on individually and as a couple. And he said even for priests, right. you know, that right. there's a correlation, there's a parallel with with what they do in their yeah. mission. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good book, again, for anybody. And I think even even engaged couples, you know, right. for marriage preparation right. programs and things. Doctors, uh, he's been doing great work for many years for the church as a psychiatrist uh, and family practice and marital practice, marriage practice. And Why not be equipped to be the best that you can absolutely be? That's right. And right now, I think the thing is to be understanding. I, would you agree? Understanding everybody's... Well, here, yeah, the other day... Talking I about t- us personally? No, oh, no, oh, no, oh. no. I went to the grocery, and there was a, a gentleman that was very oh, upset. Yeah. I guess he had some issue with the, the worker couldn't find something and maybe was a little tense or you know, quick in his response. So he comes up to the register and he's yelling and he's cursing. And I said, all right, everybody just calm down. But it's just, we're all so hasty to just go off the deep end. So just... Yeah, people need to be more patient. And, yeah. Uh, although on the other side, the opposite side of that, I th- you do see a lot more outpouring of people trying to... <gasps> right. I think because we're so socially distant that you want to... That's just not normal for a human person to, no. to be that way. And you try to reach out. And, of course, for me it is. I don't mind being socially <laughs> You're okay. But I'm one of those touchy-feely. Like when yeah, I see somebody... Right. Or you, like talking to, you like talking to people. Uh, yeah, I like to be with, <laughs> with a lot of people. So everybody has a different way of dealing with it. But I think, if anything, just... Try, try to be understanding that everyone's in this, they're going through the same thing, they have the same anxieties, the same fears, right. we're a little bit on edge, so just be a little patient, bite your tongue, breathe, I don't know, but be kind, breath. be kind. But be we nice do. to the cat. Yes, be nice to the cat, see? I never heard, I never touched the cat, by the way. No, I know. I'm just told to get out of my way. <laughs> Stand in the middle of the floor, laying there, looking at me like, 
walk around me. Get out of here. The poor thing <laughs> thinks its name is Get Out of Here. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> uh, we're going to get out of here now because it is time to leave. And, uh, friend, you have a beautiful uh, rest of your day and a beautiful Palm, Palm Sunday. Sunday. God bless Stay you. Stay tuned here. We'll, we'll post the schedule. A lot of uh, special liturgies coming up on the radio here during Holy Week. And, and send um, in your hymn requests. Don't forget, yes, to send your... And you can also email Cheryl, Cheryl at domesticchurchmedia.org. Wonderful. We'll, so we won't be here next Friday. It's Good Friday. So Two weeks. Two weeks. God bless Stay you. Stay well.